What's going on? This is Jay Ellis from the Nick of Time show. Here to give you that Knicks talk just in the Nick of Time. And it's time to talk about a Knicks loss to the Cavs. Because the Knicks lose to the Cavs in game two, 107 to 90 in Ohio. All right. Uh, 22 points come from Randall. RJ gives you 14. Brunson gives you 20. The bench scoring was not the same as before. The Cavs bench gives you 36 uh, to the Knicks 28. Rebounding was an issue today as well. 54 to 44 advantage Cavs and could not overcome. Darius Garland's 32 points. Lack of the kill defense. Turnovers were a huge issue altogether and the Knicks really could not get it together. Um, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, listen, we stole one. We stole one in game one. All is now lost. We did what we have to do. Now we have to go back at home and do what we have to do. It's one game. Series is not over. So I don't want Knicks fans jumping off of bridge, no matter how mad you are, upset you are at this moment. Kaz made the adjustment. It's going to be time for us to make an adjustment. All right. So I'm, we're going to get into the game and the stats and the facts and stuff. But before I do that, let me introduce you to my guy. The man, the myth, the legend, the guy, the stats and the facts. Ryan G's in the building. Um, there's some positives and negatives you can take from this game. The positive is the Knicks took one in Cleveland, so they go back with home court advantage in game three. Mm -hmm. The bad news is the Knicks stunk it up terribly tonight. I can't hear you, Ryan. What Hello? Yeah. I can hear you. Okay. I can hear you. Maybe maybe it's just me. All right. Keep, say, say it. After you said, after oh, no. the Knicks stunk it up terribly, what did you say after that? No, I, I ended it right there. Oh, okay. <laughs> Short and sweet. <laughs> yeah. Short and sweet. The, the Knicks thing. Done. <laughs> and of course, you already know what it is. The Latin Assassin, ESP contributor, uh, posting, toasting contributor, my man, Lee S. Beetle. What's going on, Lee? Yo, yo, good to see you guys. Um, this was a complete ass game. Everyone played terrible uh, from Brunson and Randall on down the bench, on down to Tom Thibodeau, who coached a terrible game. Uh, but I'm not too worried about it. I think the whole team plus Tibbs will bounce back. And I think we'll take game three in MSG. No reason to jump out the window. Um, I think the vibes are still immaculate. And it's we, we were due for a bad game. And we walked out of Cleveland with a split. So not too much to be upset about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some. There are a little bit concerns that we do have to address. Uh, there are certain things though that I don't expect to happen twice, and we can get all the, we can get into all of those things. Um, I want to start off with how we got to this point in the first place. Usually, what our team does well is we, you know, we go to the free throw line. We don't turn the ball over. We out rebound the other guy's team because we usually for the most part don't really shoot threes well when we shoot three well and we those things we end up usually blowing teams out but for us success comes from the rebounding getting to the line and low turnovers so turnovers are high julius randall in particular had a very high turnover game um the assists were low the ball wasn't moving the rebounds 
weren't rebounding for us. Mitch in particular, he had his hands on a lot of rebounds, like a lot, but they weren't converting. They weren't converting to points or he'll get his hands on a rebound and lose the ball. So a lot of things that we did do well in the season and even the game before we couldn't get today. So um, we're going to have to clean a lot of that up. And I think it, it really starts with the turnovers, the turnovers. And you know what? Even the assist, even assist. I don't know. What do you guys have to say about that? I have a lot more I want to get to. I can really do a whole soliloquy about this game, but I'm going to I'm gonna chill. <laughs> I'm going to pass the ball around, unlike what our team need today, all right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say this. Um, to me, the way the Knicks started this game, they played they play like a team that was like, you know what? We already took one in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. We're good. That's how they look like coming into this game. And, it, it, and to me, it seemed like they were not prepared for the intensity that Cleveland would play with, knowing that they're a desperate team and they don't want to go to MSG down two zip. They were they definitely were not prepared for the, you know, for the possible onslaught that Cle- that Cleveland would play with and Cleveland's defense after like Cleveland's defense was crazy in this game. Mm-hmm. Like with the, the way the Knicks play, like, yeah, part of it was them playing like cheeks, but it was also due to Cleveland playing excellent defense. They locked up a lot of Knicks players tonight. And one thing that the Knicks has to have to straighten out, especially for game three, they have to, they have to get some type of outside scoring from the three. Someone is going to have to start knocking down their shots because what Cleveland did was Cleveland wasn't even worried about the Knicks on the three-point line. Every time someone penetrated to the paint, they just crowded the paint and no Nick could get a shot off near the basket. And then when, and then when they drive to the basket and they freeze, Cleveland just swarmed the ball. So, so anytime they try to like pass out in the paint, Cleveland would just get their hands on it. It would become a steal or the Knicks would make, or the Knicks would make a stupid play in the paint. Like Cleveland played swarming defense and the Knicks really needed somebody to knock down their shots from three because if they had somebody who was knocking down their shots from three, it would have it would expand it would have expanded Cleveland's defense and it would have been more opportunity to attack the paint and possibly get easy, easy baskets. And then on top of that, Cleveland took away Knicks transition baskets as well. Knicks could got, could not get anything in transition. Cleveland went Cleveland got back on defense this game as well. So it's just one of those games where it's like, you know. As fans, like Cleveland, like the Cleveland players were talking and they were like, yo, we have to we have to play more physical. You know, we have to smack them in the mouth. And that's exactly what they did tonight. They smacked the Knicks in the mouth tonight and the Knicks could not handle it. I don't but- think anything, I don't think anything happened in this game that was uh, surprising. Like there wasn't a player on the bench or a starting five that played outside of himself. Paris Levert, you know, was due for a good game. He's someone who averages in, in double digits. He didn't drop 30 on us. Um, and I think everyone that played in the, in the starting five played really good elite defense. But Jared Allen didn't drop by 30 and 20. Moby didn't hit five threes on us. Everything that happened are things that if you steam right, you can expect and steam against uh, in terms of a chess match that happens between the two coaches. On the knit side of the ball, you had two groups. You had players that looked like they would uh, stutz a deer in the headlights. Like really terrified to shoot. And those guys are like Grimes and Quickly and Obi and Hartenstein. I mean, you had never different players. You just play like complete ass, especially RJ Barrett and Julius Randle. 
Jalen Brunson played terrible. Mitchell Robinson, how I butterfingers couldn't hold on to the ball and really maneuver on a basket when he was getting offensive rebounds or trying to catch passes from Randall. It was really bad out there. And I think of those two groups, you're going to have a, a return to the mean and have a few of those players to bat into their rhythm, especially playing in front of the home crowd at MSG. You're bound to have a return to the, to the mean of average and have some guys actually have good games. I, I, it's impossible for guys like Grimes, IQ, and RJ who have had great opportunities and great moments this season to play complete, completely terrible for three playoff games in a row. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think the odds are against it. Then at least one or two of those guys bounces back. Again, I'm not jumping out of the window. I think it's also blame. It should be passed around equally to all players and Tom Thibodeau. Uh, I'll say, yeah, there's some tactical things that might have to change. All right. First, I'll say this. Jalen Brunson is a very good ISO player. Um, when ISO isn't working, it looks really bad. When it is working, it looks really good. Today, um, the I, I felt like, you know what? Terry was on Twitter and he asked, what do you think the Cavs are going to change today? Um, and I said, they're going to trap Brunson even harder. And that's exactly what they did. They trapped Brunson way harder this game than before. And I think it kind of wore him down to the point where when he did get open shots, uh, I think he was a little bit gassed and he was missing shots he, he usually makes. He was short on a lot of shots. So I think one thing we're going to have to do is A, get some offense outside of the Brunson ISO to get things going and him going. And I felt like we started to do that in spots. Like I, I felt like, you know, RJ started to go to the hole and kick it to Brunson in the second half. And he had some open shots, but he just didn't make it. Um, two, when they do start to trap, our guys have to be in better position to get to the open spots, to be available for passing. So I felt like for IQ especially, when they're trapping IQ in certain spots of the floor and everybody's kind of standing around, not giving him any angles to pass, he kind of gets into trouble. That's why you're going to have to cut. That's why you're going to have to go to the open space. And I feel like a lot of turnovers were happening that way. And three Julius Randle's turnovers. I just, he, I feel like ever since the first half of the first game, he doesn't know when to pass or shoot. Sometimes Randle gets in these zones where, um, He's like a passing savant and he sees the lanes perfectly. And then, then he gets in these zones when he doesn't know what he's supposed to do. And today he was one of those zones when I felt like he didn't know what he was supposed to do. And when the ball was out of Brunson's hands, it it became even more difficult. Even though Brunson was asked today, when the ball was out of Brunson's hands, sometimes it's it still looked a little ass. And it was it, it was weird. I don't know if you guys have anything to say about that. Please have to worry, so I'm not even sure. <laughs> yeah. There is one thing that you said I do agree with. Um, and I feel like that's what led to a lot of the Knicks turnovers today as well, because like when they did trap quickly, when they when they did trap Brunson, or even those times in the paint where, or like when they try to drive to the paint and, they, and then they had a sudden stop, like there was no movement to where those guys could you know, find an open guy. You know, they would, they, oh, what happened was, you know, they would just get, since they picked up their dribble, they would just, you know, try to move around 
and this and that, and there's nobody moving into an open spot. And then like, before you know it, five, six seconds go runs off the shot clock. And then all of a sudden, when you look, there's only a few seconds left when the ball finally gets out of that player's hands into yeah. somebody else's hands, but if they make a move. So I do think, so I agree, like there has to be more off ball movement in this next game. Yeah, I think a lot of times when Brunson was in IQ were getting trapped at the top of the key, you didn't see their teammates try to maneuver to get open to, you know, to, to ease that double team and make the passes that were being thrown a little bit more crisper. There were a lot of very dangerous passes being cross-court passes being tossed from all players across the court, mm -hmm. uh, especially, especially from the guards. And a lot of those turned into turnovers, pickoffs, transition bastards for Cleveland that got Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland out in the break and really caused a lot of the fouls in that first half and put us in a deficit where Garland scored like eight or ten points just off of free throws alone. And a lot of those were being fouled at the rim in, in transition opportunities. So, you know, guys just have to be more aware when those traps are coming. Obviously, they don't try to get the ball out of Brunson's hands, but just try to put yourself in positions where you can be that secondary pass uh, to try and make a little bit of, a, of an easier transition uh, when Brunson's trying to get other guys open instead of these really dangerous outlet passes. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, man, this is what happens in the series. They they know your plays like the back of your hand. When you playing guys uh, for a series, they know your plays, they know your tendencies. If things work one, two, three, or four times, that fifth time it might not work, and you're going to have to switch it up. This is why adjustments are naming the game. This game... What the Cavs did is they they said we're going to run through Garland more because we were to see you already know how to handle Mitchell and right. and Donovan killed us. Um, we didn't have that real second guy option once they try to take the ball out of Runson's hand to really take us over the hump. So we're going to have to figure that out um, on on the next game. On the flip side, though, I do feel like Brunson had a lot of clean looks. At certain parts of the game that he just missed, and I don't think he's gonna miss those those looks um, the next game as well. But um, yeah, we do need more offense from the rest of those guys. Uh, but salute to the chat is Uno, Mikey Uno. If Mikey Uno was still online, I, I want to patch you in, Mikey Uno, to get your thoughts on the game. But salute to the chat. Shout out to picks for Timmy, Canal, Ben Lawyer, Thomas, uh, Nick's are nice. And everybody else was rocking with the KOT show. All right. Uh, first caller up is Mike Uno. Are you still online? Let me know. Yo, what's good, fellas? Still Yo, on. I love you all. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, all right. So you know what? One thing that I want to say is, and I know this happened in the, in the beginning of the game, and. But I feel like I, I feel like I see it frequently. Is Mitch Rob would get an offensive rebound, and he looks so desperate to want to score after the rebound. And I feel like, man, you should get that rebound and quick pass it out, quick pass that out. But he doesn't, and so what happens is it ends up being a rebound turning into a turnover. Yeah. And I feel like, damn, Mitch Robb is dope, and I love him, bro, but but I feel like I see that frequently too much. And I thought in, in the very beginning of the game, and I thought, damn, that's tough. I hate to see it because I feel like it's so frequent. And 
I wanted to know what you guys feel about that. Like, do you guys see it the way I see it? That, like, he gets a rebound and he feels like he needs to force himself to score instead of passing it out to someone that could maybe get a better shot. Um. So that's that's what I'm that's 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 what I called for honestly. So okay. and, and and I love you all. And, and but I really want to hear your opinions on this. So I'm out. Everybody, let's love everything. All right, salute. Salute to my guy, Michael. Right. Um, well, I'll say this. When he gets the rebound, he's taught that if you get the rebound in the restricted area, it'll go right back up. If you get the rebound outside the restricted area, they'll pass it out for three. And we were leading the league and three points at the offensive rebound. Now, all of his rebounds today came in the restricted area. The problem with Mitch is he keeps bringing the ball down to his waist when he gets the rebound and then going back up, which is causing strips and, and deflections and stuff. So it's not that I don't want him to put the ball back up. It's just he just needs to improve his technique and keep the ball over his head and go up and dunk it or hook it or whatever. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree. What do you guys think? Um, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, that's Mitch's biggest issue. He brings the ball down and I think Cleveland took, took it upon themselves to crash the boards more. So you often saw Garland in the paint, Mitchell in the paint, et cetera. And then, you know, when you bring the ball down around those small guards, they strip you. So yeah, that's, you know, that's, you know, Mitch's biggest issue, like him actually keeping the ball high when he does grab the rebound. Yeah, yeah I also think that <clears throat> he's very predictable when it's an offensive rebound. I mean, he's he's extremely easy to scout for because the opposing teams and his own team knows that he doesn't have any post moves around the basket. Uh, unlike Hartenstein, who has that really nice teardrop, can, can finish around the rim, can finish with either hand, can finish in contact. Mitch really is just like a, a pogo stick. He either goes straight up for the offensive board um, or, or a lob, and he doesn't really have any moves outside of five or eight feet. So if you develop a little bit of wrinkles and even some, you know, some advanced passing, or, or at least I have a little bit more of an awareness of where his teammates are on the floor, I think you get a little bit more diversity when he gets an offensive rebound on the basket opposed to you know just trying to go up for an immediate slam, like uh, Mikey said. And I think he's become really predictable on that end. Yeah. And it's funny, they're, they're scouting the Hartenstein floater, too. This is what happens when you play the playoffs. There was a play when Brunson broke down the defense, and he usually dumps it off to, to Hartenstein right in that top yeah. restricted area spot. And they already knew it was coming. They went right to that spot, got a turn, got a turnover, and it was off to the races. So, like um, like I said, we're going to start to learn each other's tendencies. It's going to be the people who can adjust on the fly, who, who can kind of... Uh, get some of these wins out here. So it's going to be our turn next game up to make some adjustments. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Overall, I like Mitch's fight today, but it, the, te- the, yeah. the technique wasn't there. The technique wasn't there. Like the fight didn't turn into buckets for us, unfortunately. Um, I'm not, I, I, do, I will say Randall's defense to me today I was not a fan of. I felt like the second quarter, there were a few times where I felt like 
He didn't rotate like he was in game one. He didn't close out. I didn't like the intensity level. Like there was every bucket was a fight in the in the um the first game. I felt like when there were lapses this game, we just let it go. When there was if there was a lapse last game, we would fight to get back into the position. Um and that was in the whole game. That was in particularly the second quarter where where that where the lead grew. And I think that's where he, I think that's where we actually lost the game. I think we really lost the game in the second quarter to me. Yeah, and just to add on that, like I, I know what you're talking about, JL. There was a play that really pissed me off with Randall on defense. And I think it was I think when Evan Mobley got the ball on the baseline. Yes. And he just let Mobley just go straight to the basket and dunk. And I was like, yo, what are you doing, Randall? Like, why why did you not cut off the baseline? Yeah. And he was in position to do so. Like that play really pissed me off. And that and that pretty much told me, like, yeah, the Knicks header is not in the game. Yeah, it's also indicative of the issues that we've been talking about all season with the extra long leash that Randall has compared to other guys like Obi who get yanked for a lot less. And in a playoff game, I understand Randall is the one who got you there. He's our best player, in my opinion. He's played like an MVP candidate this entire season. And I saw you saying, man, in the chat, saying I'm the president of his fan club, which I don't, I'm surprised. No one's ever called me the president of anyone's fan club before. So <laughs> it was very surprising to hear that. Because I mean, most people consider me a hater more than a lover. Um, but I, I really believe that was a moment where he should have been set after that blown defensive miscue and allowed Obi up top and to get some opportunities, not just because of that specifically, but the more macro issue. We were down by 20 for more than half of the game. And I think this was an opportunity to really let other guys add a different look in, a, in, a, in our offense to try to get some different kind of opportunities and try to get some easy buckets going downhill. And I think Toppin and McBride are two guys specifically. Who, and Tibbs played them, but in really short, weird, like, um, uh, minutes distribution. It was like McBride came in for those last couple, like, minute or two before the halftime and then never came in again. I thought that was really strange because in his, that short possession, he locked down Darius Garland and he, kept him from getting an easy bucket in the mid-range. I was like, why do we see more of that? I think Toppin, too, in that game one had some great uh, – when he leaked out for some great transition points and had easy buckets, which is exactly what kind of offense we needed because everyone was doing way too much ISO and getting stuffed when they went underneath the basket with their two twin towers. So this was a game where just, I think Tibbs got out-steamed. He, I don't think he – another thing that we started with is his in-game adjustments, and this was an opportunity where he had to show that he had plan B, C, and D, and we didn't see any of that. He really played the same game he did in game one, and it turned to a loss. But I think he'll he'll bounce back. I'm not saying fire tipped after one single game. It's a series that I care about. I still got faith in the man, so we'll see what he does in game three. I will say the time he put in McBride, there was 10 seconds left. It was it was uh, their last stand, so it was an offense defense thing. So he was like, you know, I'm gonna put my best defender in here for the last ten seconds to stop Garland. Um, I can kind of understand why he might be hesitant to put McBride in. I'm not gonna lie, I can be, I can see why the Knicks really struggled to score the entire game. They were trapping quickly and Jalen Brunson and. He still couldn't score. McBride, out of all those guards, is is probably the weakest out of all the guards in far as far as running an offense. So 
in a game where you really need to make up some scoring, I can I can see why it would be hard to like give him like a ten minute run in this situation like today where it was a extreme struggle to get into our offense set. So I, I see I see why I didn't play him. Defensively, I see why it makes sense to play him because Garland was going off. And then offensively, though, it, it's it's like a trade-off. It's kind of like what the Cavs problem is. You know, like they have on Coro. And it's like, all right, he could lead defense, but then we just kind of, you know, leave him open. So it's like at that point, we'll have RJ run the offense with McBride, and uh, it, it could be interesting. That could be interesting offensive flow or no flow. But I feel like we're always giving up some some offense when we have Mitchell Robinson there at center, not just because he's limited, but the guys don't they don't look for him and Tibbs doesn't run plays for him either. So on offense, it's usually five on four in that regard. But we need to guard the point of attack because Darwin was killing us. And McBride, it's one of the few opportunities. He's not undersized and it's Darwin. They're the same height. So it would have been a great time to see him at least lock him up and just pray the other four guys on the court can hit some buckets. Yeah, I think it's one of those games where it's damned if you do and you don't that. I think that's really, really saying. I don't know. What do you think, Ryan? I mean, to be honest about it, like, who on the Knicks was really going off on offense? So to me, it's like, okay, well, nobody's really scoring anyway, so might as well just throw McBride in there and see what he can do on defense and see if, yeah. if the Knicks can, you know, get some, get some stops. Hopefully somebody wakes up and gets them back into the game. So, I mean, at that point, I'm just like, you know, McBride, you, you, brought, you put him in for like the last 10 seconds or so, he makes a stop on Garland clearly locks him up. It's like, why not give him a go? Why not give him a run and see what happens? Heard, heard. I see somebody asking a question about Jay putting Jalen Brunson on Levert. Jay Ellis, what do you think about putting Jalen Brunson on Levert? Yeah, that was that was an interesting choice. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't understand that at all. Like you can hide Jalen Brunson on other non usage players, even if they're you can just put him on Osmond or something. When he's in a game, but yeah, I didn't understand that. For sure. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. <laughs> Nothing to really say about that. Salute to the chat, though. <laughs> <laughs> Salute to the chat, man. Knicks lose 90 to 107, take game two. But listen, man, this is game of adjustments. There's only one game. We coming back to MSG. We gotta bring their fire. This is this MSG at home is where your role players really start to feel itself. Um, if there's anything you can take away from this game, I would say is you know we can bury the offense outside of Jalen Brunson. We were we're able to get Jalen Brunson a little bit more off ball, and hopefully we'll implement that more in the second game because we did it a lot more in the second half. It didn't yield points per se, but you want to think about process. You want to. You want your offense to produce open shots. And if you're producing open shots from Jalen Brunson, you're shooting 41% for three, uh, I think it'll bode well for us. So I think we need to mix that into the next game in the first and second half. Kind of like what the Cavs did, where you didn't have Mitchell being on ball as much today uh, and had Darius Garland shine. We're going to have to figure out a way to do that for us ourselves. And we got to give Randall to not have six turnovers, man. Yeah, you have yeah, to sim- resimplify the game for him somehow. We gotta have that conversation with him about simplifying the game. <laughs> yeah, I just want to add one thing too, and I'm just praying on this because I think this series, now that I think about it, 
IQ waking up is going to be very crucial. Yes. Because with because with the Cavaliers having a small backcourt and the way they trap Brunson, if IQ can wake up and play like himself, like he played in the regular season, I think down stretches of games, especially in the fourth quarter, they can play a backcourt of IQ and Brunson where if Brunson gets trapped, he'll have another guard in the backcourt who can handle the ball and create. And I think that's going to really help the Knicks if IQ can wake up. I agree. I think that's why Tibbs started to do that in the second half more um, to, to to see if they can. Because when when it was just IQ out there, they was able to kind of zero in on him yeah. and it wasn't good. So I think that he's trying to like double up on a ball handlers to see if they can kind of give some some pressure valves, give multiple people to make some plays. So hopefully we might see more Brunson IQ. I'm going towards the next game. You got to keep an eye on that for sure. Yeah, this is like the, the worst case scenario for almost every player on the team, especially the starting five. I mean, you had Julius Randle as a turnover machine. You had Brunson struggling with lengthy defenders. You had R.J. Barrett going 4-13, for 3 from 3. Mm-hmm. It's like every player played to the worst of their potential and really dug in on their Achilles heels. R.J. specifically. I don't really understand why this fan base is so quick to hate on people. I mean, I've been very critical of Tom Thibodeau when we were blowing close leads, but when the evidence in front of you changes and things start improving to continue and dig in on that hate, it's just a really bad look. And I see that with Randall and I see that with RJ a lot on Twitter. Uh, just people making conversations about like, the, like they're, they're out of shape. RJ's fat and overweight and out of shape. And like Randall's a ball hog, and something's wrong with him mentally. And so guys, I think if you if you just watch the history of playoff basketball, teams they blow leads, they lose games. No one sweeps. No one does four 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 all the way to the finals. Not even the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, <laughs> when Moses Malone said that back in the day, I mean teams that are going to lose a game, and Fred said State Cleveland with a one one split to me is a, is a really optimistic and positive outlook. Because we're going back to MSG, like right. both of you said, where the role players feel more comfortable playing in front of their home crowd. And I think we don't get guys at the manual quickly and Grimes back in the rhythm when Obi starts hearing his name being chanted, back in the rhythm. And then we'll go back to Cleveland to handle business in game five. So I, I'm not uh, hyper worried about this and try not to have knee jerk reactions, but you can really tell there's a lot of personal vendettas. People just really hate Julius Randle and they hate RJ Barrett as people, not just players, but like human beings. They want them off the team and replaced. And I, I'm the first to admit that my expectations of RJ have lowered tremendously in the last couple of months. I don't think he's worth a contract that we gave him. I think he's overpaid. I do think he'll be including a trade this summer. But while he's here, I'm rooting for the kid. He's also 22 years old. When I was 22, I was waking up at 10 a.m. late for my job because I was wasted going to a club the night before, man. Like, let's give these guys a break. They're still kids. They're immature. They're still growing to their bodies. They're still learning the NBA pace and game. You know, they're going to make mistakes. But I thought RJ had some moments as a facilitator, as a defender, as a rebounder. There were some bright spots. You know, there's good and bad, and I try to focus on both. Yeah. yeah. I mean, go ahead, Ryan. You sound like you want to say something. No, and I just want to add that I feel like Lee is definitely right. You just, you just got some fans. Like, it doesn't matter what Randler or what RJ does. They just want them off the team. You know, they can never compliment these players when they actually do play good. But I will say this. I don't think RJ deserves the slam that he gets, especially in this game, because even though everyone played bad, 
RJ was one of the only role players today that did not play scared. He actually tried to attempt shots and actually tried to make an impact. Quickly was a deer in, high, in headlights. Grimes was a deer in headlights today. RJ Bear, at least RJ Bear did not play scared. He at least tried to do something on offense. Mm-hmm. And it's played good defense too. For the most part, overall, I think he's played really solid defense on the guys that he that he switched on. And he's playing good team defense too. He's, he hasn't been a cone out there like Grimes has been, who's been horrible on defense. So, you know, I mean, it's like just objectively critique. Say the good, say the bad. But when you have an agenda, it becomes very evident and really easy to see through your take that you just have like pure hatred for somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if Grimes get. I'm not, people talk about Grimes not shooting. I don't think he gets the ball enough to say. He's not shooting. Like I don't even remember. Like I, I feel like he he's gotten like four touches the whole game. Personally, I'm not. Sh- you know, that's just me. Like when I go, when my mind replays the last two games, I don't remember Grimes really touching the ball, and the shots that I remember him taking were like heavily contested threes, because you know, he's he's trained to take those. So I don't know when people say he's not. He's shooting it off. Like I don't feel like he's really had the the touches, the opportunity to be like, yeah, he's taking shots. That's uh, that's just, that's just and yeah, he's like he's guarding out. freaking Donovan Mitchell. So saying he he's butt on defense, like he's guarding like the guy who can drop sixty. But <laughs> the only thing I found egregious in this game that really irritated me. My dad just brought up in the chat. What's up, Pops? Glad you're at home safe. We're watching a game together at my place. Was <laughs> was Tibbs keeping the starters in so late in the game when Randall went down with that real nasty injury, which he went down to another starter in Jared Allen. Uh, it made no sense to that point why Tibbs still had his starters in. That's something that Knit fans have been irate at since he got here is being blown out. Either we're blowing the other team out or the other team's blowing us out. And there's a like less than two or three minutes in a game. They're up by over 20 and our starters are still in there. That's a like prime time where accidents happen. Bad things happen. Yeah. Roll dies are trying to get, you know, they're only two points and they barrel to the basket uh, with, with their head down and can cause some serious injuries. But that's a Tibbs thing. He's been doing that for his entire career. I don't understand why he does it. And one of his assistant coaches needed to take him back and have a, a serious conversation to quit that. Because someone's going to get injured and Randall almost did. Yeah. And Jared Allen, that was just a really reckless play. Like, that's it one was. of those plays. If, if, that, if you was at the park and they someone did that to you playing pickup ball, we scrapping. Yep. <laughs> we scrapping. Like, you don't do that. Shit. You, you yep. don't do that. And, and, and honestly... I commend Randall for keeping his cool because Facts. honestly, I, I I would not have blamed him if he went after Allen on that. I would not have blamed him, but he kept his cool. Yeah, yeah thank God the teammates were there. Thank God he was on the floor long enough for his teammates yeah. to get in between him and Allen. <laughs> <laughs> I think if he was able to get up right afterwards, I don't know. People have been talking about people talking about Draymond Green doing the eight times stomp on Sabonis. They might have been talking about Randall power driving Jaron Allen after that. <laughs> <laughs> For real, because that was super reckless. Yeesh. Indeed. He yeah. shouldn't he shouldn't have been out there to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tears we got another caller too. Shout out. 
Salute to the chat. Salute to everybody rock with the show after a loss. Y'all the real MVPs, all right? Um, let's get it, though. Next caller up is my man, JT. It's been a minute, JT. What's going let's on, go. bro? Yeah! 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 What's going on, man? What's good, fellas? I haven't called in in a minute, but, you know, just got to call and show love. I got to keep the optimism going. I got to keep the energy going. Keep it going. We keep one it. and one, all right? You Not down 0-2, we one and one. Exactly. Now, I ain't going to lie, this game's bad. <laughs> this, game, <laughs> this game, we lost it. We lost it in, in a real bad way, but we just got to, we basically, we out, like you, like you and Ryan, everybody's been saying all of our worst tendencies were fully exposed. The three-point line we had, Darius, we had Darius Garland and Levert looking like Stephen Clay back in 2015, 16, mm-hmm. and we just I don't know what was up with Randall down like last game one. He was bullying Mobley, and I don't know. It was like he left it all on the, he left it all on the floor game one. So hopefully we just bounce back in game in game three. Now I agree with Ryan. What Ryan said as far as no, I'm sorry, Jay, it was you who said it where. The problem I'm having is I don't see that they're looking for Grimes enough. Like, one thing that uh, between Brunson and Randall is sometimes it seems like they get a little too iso heavy, and that's what makes it easy for them to collapse out on us on defense. So mm-hmm. if we get to using the move, moving the ball around more, maybe, you know, it won't be so easy to collapse on us. But the problem is is we're not hitting our shots. Right. So I'm hoping game three we make that adjustment, we start moving the ball around more, and people's shots do start falling. So that's you know, I just going to keep, like I said, hey, if you said Nixon 6, Nixon 7, I mean, we got to lose the game. So I'd rather split the <laughs> series 1-1 one, one, right. <laughs> over and and then go to the Garden game 3 down 0-2. Exactly. I agree. So, but, yeah, All right, that's, that's, just my, that's just my take on it. So hopefully Grimes can find a shot. Hopefully IQ, I don't know what's up. I don't know if he's just got the jitters, if he's, if he's too much in his head. Like I said, as far as, like, you guys are saying, as far as RJ, RJ's offense has been atrocious, but you got to shout out his defense. He's been playing with aggression. He's been he's yeah. been getting up in guys' jerseys, so at least he's trying to contribute in, in this way. As far as turnovers, turnovers, we knew that was going to happen because of the way we were playing. We were so isolated. We, we were playing so iso heavy that when it's time to give up the ball, no one's in position because everybody's standing still, just staring the headlights. It's the playoffs, so we ain't got no time for that, but let's hope they watch the tape like Tip say, and that's it. We don't see that no more. Right, gotcha, gotcha. Good, good call, good call, man. Yep, definitely. But hey, thank you for taking my call as always. Salute, Ryan. Salute, Jay. Salute, Lee Escobedo. I'm out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to my guy. Yeah, IQ has to get on track. But yo, I keep telling you guys about guards and why it's hard to win a chip when your guard is your best player. Um, the Warriors, I, I keep saying the Warriors are like a special case because of the system they run where their center is like a small guy who can pass the ball and allow Stephen Curry to kind of run around circles and tire guys out. But traditionally in the NBA, when the guard is, a, is a, your, your point guard is your best player and he's like a smaller guy who doesn't have the size to kind of beat people up and way off. They usually, what happens is they end up trapping him aggressively with one or two lone players and keeping him out there, getting the ball out their hands and force him to make the pass, which is why it's important to have other playmakers on the floor to kind of alleviate that pressure. And usually some another taller playmaker who's good at making plays, which is why I keep saying we are a playmaking 
wing or a play like or your playmaking bigger guy away from winning a chip because Brunson is so efficient that we need like another bigger body who can make plays efficiently without uh, turning the ball over to really get yeah. over the hump. So for us, we're gonna have to find creative ways to kind of um utilize IQ and maybe have him come or run around and come off the ball more for him to be effective. And we might have to actually utilize RJ more for that to happen. RJ is going to have to step up and be more of a playmaker to me. I think that's going to be something that we're going to have to do. Kind of what we was doing for Brunson in the second half. That's the way I see it. Very well said. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Huh? Uh, I think I said everything you have to say. Shout out to Prezi the boss. I see you in the chat, my guy. Picks for Timmy. Alex, shout out to Gaming Channel. Shout out to you, man. Uh, man, child. Everybody who's rocked the kids who show, shout out to you. If you like the show, hit that like, subscribe, and share, 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 share. Spread the word. The KOT is here. We put out content. Win, lose, rain, and shine. Give our thoughts. It's not just solicitous takes. It's like so basketball talk, great basketball talk, and we... And uh, so share that information. And we also, we just appreciate you guys who support us. I just, I need to, to appreciate you guys more and tell you how much spread the support you guys give us from the game to game. Um, so y'all, y'all been great all season. So thank you for supporting this show. All right. Um, guys, I don't know if you have any final thoughts, anything you want to have to say, get off your chest or even ooh pigs, bro picks or anything. I will say that I, I, sorry, Ryan. I'm sorry. Go real quick. I've seen enough in, in two games and the, the four games we play in the regular season that we won three one. I think if Emmanuel quickly can find his groove, offensively and defensively, this series is a wrap. I, I tend to be an optimist, mostly about my nits. Uh, I think I might be the most optimistic. Y'all might call me a little crazy sometimes with my takes and the things that I say, uh, but I do think that quickly is really the guy that needs to step up the most. Because Mitch is playing about what I expected. Hartenstein's playing the same. Randall's playing, not this game, but first game, unbelievable. And I think this game frustrated him because he didn't have anyone else helping him to open up the lanes and to ease things up. He got doubled a lot more than he saw in game one. So he turned the ball over a lot more. And Brunson was just inefficient along with RG. But IQ, if IQ can get back to what we saw, the six-man candidate play that he was in the regular season, I think this game is done in five or six. I really think we could win off three in a row if IQ was averaging 18, five and five. I, I just don't think they just stop. You can't trap both Brunson and IQ. No. So to me quickly, what was and is the key to the series. I think MSG will help boost his confidence when he's playing in front of the hometown crowd. Hopefully, you know, he'll get his shot back and he just did the confidence back on, on defense too and getting in guys grill. So once I see that, I'll get a lot more confident because uh, I think Brunson and Randall are carrying way too heavy of a load right now. Yeah, I 100% agree. agree. I agree. I, I still feel like we might see more. I think you're going to see IQ Brunson play together more next game. I, I feel like Tibbs was kind of testing it out this game in the second half to see if you find a combination to kind of alleviate the pressure of, of the cash trapping Brunson or IQ. I, so I think he wants a bunch of decision makers to kind of, like you know, put some more uh, make things easier for everybody on the floor. Uh, Ryan, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, um, well, not necessarily to add to the um, the game per se, but um, I do have. Well, we we already mentioned the broad pick, 
So I'm not even sure if I don't even want to mention it again because we already mentioned it like during the podcast with Draymond Green. So that was really my bro pick. Oh, shoot. Bruh. <laughs> yeah, when, when he did the A-Town stop on um, Sabonis. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I do want to say, I, I do want to, um, I guess, do a quote-unquote like special bro. It's not really with the Knicks. I know this is a Knicks show, and we often don't shout out players on other teams, but Russell Westbrook, this guy gets a lot of unnecessary slander from the public. And last night, and I mean the previous game, game one against the Suns, he did shoot three of 19 from the field, but there was an amazing stat that came out, which showed how he affected the game, even though he shot so bad from the field, because they had this stat that they had this stat. He guarded Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, and Devin Book on 59 total possessions. And on those 59 total possessions, they only scored six points off of him, 25% shooting from the field. That's how much he affected the game, even though he wasn't shooting bad from the field. And I feel like he gets so and I get, and I feel like he gets so much unnecessary slander from people. And this is a Hall of Fame point guard, like first ballot. Like as soon as this dude retires and the first year he's eligible, he's going to, he's going to the Hall of Fame. If you can tell, Ronnie is a, is a huge Westbrook fan. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna add to that. I, I can't believe fans haven't learned anything from the Malice and the Palace. Because uh, when these players give you a two piece, you're out for hours, bro. Like that fan that, that approached West Connor Westbrook and like got up and was actually like trying to have a face to face with him. Westbrook would have picked this fat ass off that couch, bro, and just like tossed him into, into the, the arena, man. Like these play, I can't believe his fans are so ballsy. They didn't even actually say something. Have you seen Jermaine O'Neal when he clocked that down on the floor? Did you yeah. see those those haymakers that Ron Artez and Steven Jackson were throwing, bro? You would get your old teeth knocked out your mouth. Like it's unbelievable the, the audacity some of these fans have. I have a positive though. It's my last one. That I'm going to shut up. Shout out to Sacramento, man. I think the Kings fans, to me, is the second best fan base in the NBA after Net fans. If you're a Kings fan right now, you're an unbelievable fan because you survived almost as long as a playoff drought as a Nets have. It really, a longer playoff drought in totality, but since 2006 was the last time they were there, and that team was really not the same team. They didn't have Weber at that time anymore. I even think B- uh, Bibby might still be there, but Divock was gone. And, and Hito was gone. That was a stripped-down version of that West Conference Finals team that they had that really could have won a championship during that tenure. So I'm a huge fan of the Sacramento fan base. They're loud. They're rowdy. They're loyal. They're intelligent. And to see that arena brought back memories of the Arco Arena back in the day when they played the Lakers, man. They were hype. Now, every time that beam goes off, I laugh to myself. It's so corny when I light the beam. But you know what, man? Let's, let's let those farmers – have their fun, man. Those those hokey <laughs> red nets and, and hillbillies up there in Northern California, they deserve some good basketball too. Shout out Sacramento. I hope y'all win the, the series. I don't have any money on it, but I'm rooting for y'all, man. Let's go Sacramento. Man, you already know I'm I'm a uh, I was a De'Aaron Fox fan. I still remember me, me and Ryan's battles when we when Ryan was 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 Team Lonzo and I was Team Fox. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was definitely wrong at that. I mean, Lonzo is a good player when he's healthy, but he ain't on Fox level. Yeah, I was like, I saw then I was like, Fox is a dog, man. I don't know. I would pick Fox over Lonzo. Yeah, he is a dog. Yeah. Malik Monk, man, playing balls yeah, out. Yeah. He's playing really yeah. well. They had good offseason. Got, got herder too. They had shooters on that bench. Yeah, they do. I want a Fox or the Knicks. 
Knicks fans was like, Me too. He yeah, can't well, shoot. I, I was like, man, he gonna fix that. That guy's a dog. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he, he, he has the most. He has the most clutch points in the NBA. I know. He won clutch player today. I know. Yeah, yeah, he won the award. Yeah. Just to let you know, Knicks fans don't want no vote. Nobody. I mean, Knicks fans don't want nobody. <laughs> That's true, nobody man. We hate everyone. <laughs> <laughs> we even hate our own players, man. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. Uh, that's our show, though. That's our show. Hopefully, we'll have the story of uh, the Kings. That'd be dope if it was Kings, Knicks, in the finals. Wow. <laughs> Let's go. Kings, Knicks, in the finals. Book it. All right. That is our show. Good show, guys, considering. Um, Lee, let them know where they can find you. Find me on Twitter. Uh, I got Twitter famous today off of a meme that I made. I don't know if y'all saw it. I'm, I'm guessing you did because I got a shitload of lights. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, at underscore Lee Escobedo, L-E-E-E-S-C-O-B-E-D-O. I'm going to start making more memes, man. It looks like I have a gnat for it. Let's go. All right. Meme Escobedo. All right. Shout out. <laughs> 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 Ryan G, let him know you find you, sir. You can find me on Instagram at Sir G is chilling. Sir G is chilling. That's S-I-R-G-I-C-H-I-L-L-I-N. You can also find me at Sergi's Corner. And you can also find me on Twitter at Ryan G K-O-T. I'm, I'm participating. I'm participating more in Nick's Twitter now, guys. I'm participating more. Okay. <laughs> Don't fight nobody, all right? Don't fight. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. You can find us, uh, listen to us on SoundCloud or iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, you listen to the KOT show. So definitely do that. Um, snapbacks, black and white, blue and orange at the Nick of Just go there, hit catalog, boom, snapbacks are right there. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, if you want to follow us, your favorite show. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Good show, guys. You guys are in the drill. All right. As always, wait, not that. <laughs> I'm not in Brooklyn anymore. So, <laughs> as always. <laughs> Shout out the World Wide West. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. It's a mess out here in these Knicks YouTube streets. That's our show. We out this mug. Peace. New York, New York, big city of dreams. <laughs> 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 <laughs>